Uh, last time we got together, we saw that, um, that God was everywhere, present in the universe, all at the same time. And uh, if that's the case, and we believe that that's true because that's what the Bible teaches, the next question that you have to ask yourself is, what does he really know? If you stop and think about it, just because he's present everywhere in the universe at the same time, doesn't necessarily mean means that he knows what's going on. Because, obviously, you can be present somewhere and not always have a clue as to what's going on. And or, 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 for example, I mean, I mean, many of you, you've made a telephone call. You could call someone, and to a certain extent, your presence is felt in another geographic location, but you don't really know what's going on there. Or in the case of listening to the tape, you can have someone who's communicating to us from as far away as Brazil. It's tape recorded. We listen to the words, and yet that person, though he's somewhere else, doesn't necessarily know exactly what's going on in this particular place in this point of time. Now, see, God isn't limited as we are from the standpoint that he can be everywhere present in the same time and know what's going on, which is quite an amazing thing to think about because I know people that have been at events and not known what was going on, and I know that people have seen certain things take place and still refuse to believe what they see. I heard an interesting story about two guys that were at a movie theater, and they were watching a John Wayne movie. And uh, they were sitting there, and the one guy looked at the other and said, you know what, I'll bet you ten bucks before John Wayne gets over to that hillside that he's going to get shot and killed. The guy said, there's no way. There's still like an hour left in the movie. This is a John Wayne movie. He's not going to get killed with an hour left in the movie. So sure enough, John Wayne heads out across the prairie, and he's just about ready to hit this hill, and all of a sudden an arrow goes whizzing by, hits John Wayne, he falls off the horse, and sure enough, he dies. The guy goes, okay, pay up. Gives him his ten bucks. As they're walking out of the movie theater, the guy who won the money is starting to feel a little bit guilty. He says, look, you know what, here, you can take your money back. He goes, no, I mean, you said he was going to die, and he died, and you, you know, we made a bet, and you know, what's fair is fair, and I, there's the money. He said, no, you don't understand, I've already seen this movie. See, I already knew that was going to happen. And the other guy looked at him and said, well, yeah, I saw it too, but I couldn't believe they killed John Wayne twice. <laughs> you know, I, I saw it, I just don't believe it. You know, so even though we see certain things, it still doesn't mean that we're going to understand what's going on. Now, is God as limited as we can be? Listen to the words in 1 John chapter 3, verse 19 and 20. We shall know by this that we are of the truth and shall assure our heart before God. And whatever our heart condemns us, for God is greater than our heart, and listen to this, and he knows all things. God is greater than our heart, and he knows all things. So when you start to answer the question of what does God know, the Bible clearly teaches us that he knows all things. Well, now, I don't know about you, but I could have a problem with that, because you have to start to ask the question, what, is it, what, is all, or what are all things? Now, this could be a tremendous reassurance to us, as well as it can be very, very threatening depending on what's going on in our lives at a certain moment in time. See, now, if you stop and think about this, if God knows all things, and he knows everything that's going on in your life and my life, depending on what's going on, there could either be great comfort or great conviction. Now, the question is, what is included in the all things that God knows? And this is where we always have fun, and this is my most favorite part of the day. When we go to audience participation, uh, you know, I've been doing this for 10 years now, and I'm waiting one time it's actually going to work. 
But anyway, we'll try it. Somebody tell me, what do you know about God that he knows that you would put under the category of all things? What does God know? All things. Good. I like that one. Who said everything? Very good. That is the, that nailed it down right there. Let's get maybe a little more specific if we could. Okay, we'll start one. That, you know, the Bible tells us that God knows the thoughts and the intents of our hearts. That there is no creature hidden from the sight of God, but that he knows every thought and intention of our heart. Even what we intend to do before we even do it. That's interesting. What else? I'm sorry, what? Our names. Needs. Thank you. He knows that I need to be able to hear better. He knows our needs. He knows what we need even before we know sometimes what we need. That's interesting. What else does he know? I'm sorry, what? Okay, he knows what we're going to do, which goes back to what we intend to do. He knows what our needs are before we even know sometimes what our needs are. He also knows what? He knows when we're going to see him. He knows the day that it's appointed, and Hebrews 9.27 says it's been appointed for man to die once. There's an appointment that God has made, and he knows when we're going to see him before we have a clue. Now, there are some days we think we're going to see him today, and sure enough, we don't see him today. You know, he lets us hang around, and then there's days where we think this isn't the day, and you know what? It may be the day. See, he knows when we're going to go even before we have any idea. You know, I told you about the guy that I talked to last week who's dying of cancer, and he was told three years ago he had three months to live. See, the nice thing about God's knowledge is he knows exactly when it's going to take place, and we don't. He knows when we were going to be born, even before we were born. He knew how many days we would live, even before we lived one. He knows every hair in our head, and how many of them dropped out this morning when you got ready to come on down here. He knows when a sparrow falls out of the sky. Listen to what it says in the book of Job. It says that God understands the ways of wisdom and he knows its place. Intangible things like wisdom, God understands. He counts the number of stars. He calls them all by name. God created the stars and he counts them all and calls them by name. He knows every one of them. Now, I know if you want to get a headache, stop and think about that. Go outside at night sometime, somewhere where you can actually see the stars. And, uh, and start to look and see how many stars there are and realize that God not only made them, but he knows them and he calls them by name. See, now here's what I don't understand. If God made all the stars, which he does, and he calls them all by name, which the Bible says he does, and he knows all that and he knows that much, why would anybody dial a 1-900 Dallas psychic number so that they could go to the stars to try to figure out what's going on in your life when we can just go directly to the one who made the stars? And cut out the $3 a minute and $2.50 for each additional minute. See, I mean, stop thinking about how practical this is. If you begin to understand what God knows, man, I mean, it just, it's amazing what he knows. And you go down through it. God knows. He declares the beginning from the end from ancient things that have gone past and things that have not yet even been done. Listen to Psalm 33, 30, 33 13 through 15. The Lord looks from heaven which we talked about last week, where is God? He sees all the sons of men. From the place of his habitation, he looks on all the inhabitants of the earth, and he fashions their hearts individually, and he considers all of their works. See, if I understand that God knows all the stars of the, of the universe and can name them by name, it begins to help me understand how God could know each one of us 
personally and individually and consider every one of our ways. God is not limited. God's knowledge, as we understand it, will begin to have a serious impact on our life. Turn with me in your Bibles to Psalm 139. It's Psalm 139, verses 1 through 6. I'm convinced as we go through this and as we begin to understand God better, as we know Him better, He will also help us to understand ourselves better and also we will benefit from it. The more you know about God, the better off we all are. In Psalm 139, verses 1 through 6, we read this. It says, O Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You understand my thoughts from afar. You scrutinize my path and my lying down and art intimately acquainted with all my ways. Even before there's a word on my tongue, O Lord, you know all of it. You have enclosed me behind and before and laid thy hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is too high. I cannot even attain it. He's like saying, you know what? The fact that you know this much, I can't even begin to understand it. But it's incredible if you think about it. You know when I get up. You know when I sit down. You know my thoughts. You know what I'm going to say before I even say it. You know every word that I'm thinking and what I'm going to say and if I'm going to say it or not say it. You ever play a game like where you kind of go, okay, you know, the, the old Clover game. He loves me, he loves me not or whatever. It's like you, you, you try to play a game with God. Okay, does God really know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do this. Ah, just kidding, wasn't going to do that. Oh, you know what? I already knew you were going to say just kidding, wasn't going to do that before you even thought you were going to do the first thing you are going to do. And I know what you're going to do the next thing you're going to do even before you think about what you're going to do and try to kid me there too. <laughs> See, that's what, and the, and the psalmist goes, you know what? I can't even begin to understand it. It's just, it's incredible when you think about it. Listen to Proverbs 15, 3. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. You know, I was thinking about this this past week. Well, it's been going on for months, but if you, you stop and think about this in practical terms, okay? Here's, here's this, the, the O.J. Simpson case that's out. You know, you, you listen, and one day you think one thing, the next day you think next. One day you listen to the prosecutors, and you say, oh, man, oh, man. Then you listen to the defense. And you go, oh, man, oh, man. And it's like one day guilty, next day innocent. One minute guilty, next minute innocent. And you stop and you realize how difficult justice is when humanity is involved in all of it. And yet when you realize what the Bible teaches, we know that God knows all things. And we know that God is just. And we'll do the best that we can as human beings to try to do the right thing but in reality, oftentimes, the right thing isn't done. But see, the right thing is what God says is right, not what we believe is right or wrong. And the comfort in knowing this is just to understand that, you know what? God's not mocked by any of it. Whatever a man sows, that's what he's going to reap. Vengeance is mine, one day I'll repay. And the comfort in all of that is knowing that even though we struggle along and try to figure out what is just and unjust, and we'll do the best job that we can, otherwise society will be a disaster if we don't, and we have structure and order and all the things that God has ordained in Romans 13 to help us to understand that, we need to, in the ultimate final conclusion, just trust the fact that God knows all things and that God is not mocked by it. And see, there's comfort in understanding that. Because all of us don't know all things. What else does God know? You know what else is comforting to me? God knows who his people are and who aren't. 
God knows who's in and who's out. Who's a saint and who ain't. He ain't fooled by any of it. He's not fooled by the person that plays church. He's not fooled by the person who gives money, who does this and does that. He's not fooled by any of that. God knows whether you're one of his kids or not. See, that's a wonderful truth. And if you are one of his kids, there's some great assurance to that. And that's that, first, that passage in 1 John 3. You know what? My, my heart condemns me. There are times I don't feel like I'm a Christian. There are times when I don't think that I'm really a child of God. There are times when I have doubt in my heart and I'm not really sure. Am I really saved or not saved? Am I really going to heaven like the Bible says or not? There are times I don't know. But you know what the Bible says? That when my heart condemns me, God does not. When I'm not sure, He knows. And His Spirit bears witness with my spirit that I'm a child of God. His Spirit gives me the assurance and the confidence that I know who I believe and I know that He's able to keep that which I've given to Him against the day of judgment. I know that. And I can be assured of that. Why? Because God knows all things. There's some very practical implications to all of it. Listen to what... uh, uh, Psalm 1 6 says, God also knows who are, he says, for the Lord knows the ways of the righteous. The Lord knows who are his. 2 Timothy 2 19. Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter 1. I'll give you an illustration of this. John chapter 1, what does God know? And the fascinating thing, too, as you go through the Bible, there are people who will say, Well, Jesus never claimed to be God. Well, and I'd say, read your Bible better, because he often did, and in many different ways. The Bible tells us that Jesus has the same attributes of God. If God knows all things, and God's the only one who knows all things, and if Jesus knows all things, then that would make Jesus equal to God. And Jesus said it himself. He said, if you've seen the Father, you've seen me. I mean, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, for I and the Father am one. I am God. And so if Jesus knows what God knows, and God knows all things, and God's the only one who knows all things, then we can assume that the Bible is correct in the fact that Jesus is God. And in John chapter 1, we read this account, and it's fascinating as to the knowledge of God. John chapter 1, starting at verse 45. Philip found Nathanael, and he said to him, We have found him of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said to him, Now, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip said, well, come and see for yourself. I like that. I like the humanity and all that. Nazareth, oh, man, what a crummy place. Jeez. He said, well, you know what? Come and check it out. Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no guile or there's no hypocrisy. What he's saying was the thing about Nathanael that Jesus appreciated was the fact that what you see is what you got. That's why the first thing he said was, you know, Nazareth, you've got to be kidding me. He said, well, come and check it out. Jesus saw him coming. This is what he said. Nathaniel said to him, how do you know me? How do you know that's the way I am? How do you know that, you know, I just tell it the way it is? How do you know that what I say is what I really feel in my heart and what I really believe? How do you know even what I'm thinking? I mean, how do you know this stuff? Jesus answered and said, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Look at his response. Rabbi, you're the son of God. You're the king of Israel. And Jesus, I could just see a smile on his face, and he said, you know, just because I said that I saw you under the fig tree, you believe? You shall see greater things than these. And he said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, you shall see the heavens opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. 
Now, when you read this passage, there's some insight that we can get as to what God knows. Because here it is, Jesus meets Nathanael, tells him all about him. Nathanael realizes that Jesus knows all about him because Nathanael's the one that said, how do you know me? How do you know me? And he said, well, because when Philip came to you and you were under the fig tree, he went, whoa, you're God. Now, I don't know about you, but you could read through that real quick and say, well, what in the world happened there? See, because the term that's used under the fig tree could also be a term of meditation. See, it's not just literally a place like he was, you know, sitting underneath a fig tree and he was thinking about some things. And you have to ask, well, what in the world was he thinking about? Because whatever it was that he was thinking about, Jesus knew what he was thinking about because Nathaniel knew that Jesus knew what he was thinking about. He said, how do you know who I am and what's going on? And the fact you knew what I was thinking about, you must be God. And Jesus kind of laughed. said, just because I said I saw you under the fig tree... Well, what was going on under the fig tree? Well, it's a, it's a term that could be used, and one thought is it could be a term that's used of a place of meditation. Now, stop and think about this. If Nathan is in a place where he's meditating on spiritual things, and he's meditating on God, and he's talking about the law and the prophets and the promise of God that he'd send a Savior into the world and who the Savior would be, and he's thinking about the promises of God, and then Philip comes and said, hey, you know what? The one of the law and the prophets writes about, this is the one I'm going to take you to. He goes, yeah, but it doesn't make any sense because he's coming from Nazareth. That can't be. So he goes, okay, wait. And then Jesus answered it by saying this. He said, you know what? In verse 51, truly I say to you, you shall see the heavens opened and the angels of God ascending and descending, what? On the Son of Man. Now you start going through, if you know anything about your Bible, in Genesis chapter 28, there's an account that takes place where Jacob has a dream. The dream is called Jacob's Ladder. What's taking place on Jacob's ladder? What's happening on Jacob's ladder is that God is sending angels from heaven and they're coming down to earth and they're walking up and down this ladder and Jacob's having this dream. I believe that as Nathaniel was meditating on spiritual things and meditating on God and the promises of God that Jesus knew exactly because he's God what he was thinking and he answered it by saying, you know what, if you think that was cool about the, the angels coming up and down the ladder... You're going, to see, you're going to see angels descending upon the Son of God. And then you put it all together. And you begin to realize why Nathaniel came to this conclusion. Jesus is the promised one. Jesus is the way to heaven. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and life. No one comes unto the Father but through me. Jesus is the ladder that was dreamt about by Jacob that God would somehow or another reach down out of heaven to earth and make it possible for men to be able to come into the presence of God by believing in Jesus Christ. Nathaniel knew that he was God, and he said, you are God. Why? Because he knew his thoughts. Only God knows our thoughts. I don't even know what you're thinking right now. I don't have a clue. But you know what? God knows. God knows whether you're into this or you can't wait to get out of it. But that's all right. Because God knows everything. And see, as you stop and realize what God knows, it should have some very practical implications as to how we live our life. See, the knowledge of God or knowing God is the beginning of all wisdom. Proverbs 2, 3 through 6 says, Yes, if you cry out for discernment and you lift up your voice for understanding, if you seek for her as silver and search for her as hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and you will find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom, and from his mouth knowledge and understanding. Proverbs 9.10 says, The knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. To know God is to understand. To ignore God is to remain in ignorance. 
We must know God in order to have an understanding of not only who he is, but what his plans are for our lives. Now, if you stop and think about what God knows, I think it will impact us in at least four ways. Now, you may come up with some other ones, but here's four that I thought about that really, if I, if I really believe that God knows everything, here's the way it will change my life. And, and I mean, it already has because i got to jump on you, but you know, here's the way it's going to work. Number one is, if you really believe God knows everything, it should cause you to be honest in your relationships not only with God but with other people. Isn't that true? Think about this. There is nothing that will generate honesty quicker than a firm conviction that what you're trying to hide is already known by the people you're trying to hide it from. True? Think about that. If you know that what you're trying to hide is already known by the people you're trying to hide it from, then you might as well be honest about it because you already know they know. Right? Hello? Testing. Is this on? Hello. Alright, you see the point? Is that they already know. Now you may rationalize and justify it. It's like Adam and Eve. Where are you? Well, we're hiding. What do you mean you're hiding? Oh, you know we're hiding. Oh, then we might as well just tell you what happened. Because you already know everything anyway. Now they'll try to clean it up, rationalize and justify it, and, and make it sound better than it really was. And they'll try to clean it all up so it doesn't sound like it really is. But see, God knows. It might as well force us to be honest. I love the story I heard about this little kid. This kid was just a terror, man. This guy was... Anything and everything he can get into, he got into. Well, he came home one day, and he didn't know the pastor of the church was visiting his parents, and he went around to the backyard, and he was playing out back, and he saw this rat that was running around in the backyard. He thought, oh, man, this will be fun. So he went and got a baseball bat, and he just started beating this thing to death. And he beat this thing up, man. He picked it up by its tail, and he threw it against the side of the house a couple more times, and he had a little, little uh, pen knife that he played with, and he stuck it through this rat, man. He just drove it right through it, and he just killed this thing. He said, oh, man. He goes walking into the house, and uh, he saw his parents sitting there, but he didn't see the pastor who was sitting over there. And he said, hey, Mom and Dad, and he's holding this rat. He goes, look what I did, man. I got my baseball bat, and I hit it about ten times. I beat it, I kicked it, I stepped on it, I threw it up against the side of the house by its tail, and then I pulled out my knife, and I just drove it right through this thing, and, and he saw the pastor. And he goes, and at that moment, the Lord called him home. <laughs> like, oh, oh, someone's watching me. Someone's seeing me. I, oh, oh, we try to clean it up. But you know what? See, but God's, I mean, God doesn't get faked out by any of that stuff. See, we need to be honest. You ever say, I mean, how many of you, okay, now how many of you have ever had this happen in your home? It's report card time. All right? Now, here's what I like to do. I like to ask him ahead of time. So, how's it going? You know, keep up, a little progress as we go through. So, uh, how do you think you did this semester? Oh, really good, Dad. They always say that. It's always really good, Dad. Really, oh, no, really, I swear, really good, really good. Oh, yeah, really good. Uh, how about the, how's the Spanish coming along? Oh, all right, no, no problems there. Ah, okay. How about, um, should we be looking for any kind of, like, teacher comments in any of these classes at all? Oh, oh, no. And then we talk, the longer we talk, this always comes out. Did, did my report card come? I mean, is, is it here? Well, what if it is? Well, okay, now let me tell you about Spanish now. Now, here's, here, here's what's happening in Spanish. Here's what's going on there. And then it's like, oh, okay, I see how this works. You see, you know, the, 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 the knowledge of truth brings forth honesty, doesn't it? How about you ever have the one in your home where like, uh, man, who, you know, have you been on the phone very much? 
Oh, you know what? I'm hardly ever on the phone. Wow, you're not? Well, that's interesting. Are you sure you're not spending a lot of time on the phone? No, nope, not spending a lot of time on the phone. You're in there studying. Oh, absolutely. Studying, studying, studying. Oh, yeah, that's pretty interesting. Okay. Hey, well, you know what? Maybe we can just go through this phone bill together. The phone bill? All right, well, let me just tell you. You know, I called so-and-so, and they're in school in Arizona, and I, and I, well, I know. Oh, well, let's, no, I'll just tell you exactly what you did. See, on January uh, 2nd, at, uh, ooh, 10.33, this one started in the evening, and it ended, whoa, look at that, now 1.05 it ended. Whoa, 1.05, whoa, whoa, and that tally is in the far column there. See, you know, isn't it amazing how that, well, well, let me explain to you. Oh, you know, she was really having, she was really lonely. Was, oh, <laughs> oh, I see, I hear you. You know, and, and it's like, oh, but you know what? When it's confronted right before your eyes, what do you do? I got to surrender. Isn't that true? That's the way it should be. I like that. Because as you stop and think about it, you know, it happens often in life. Oh, you know what? Well, we didn't really beat that guy. Oh, gee, well, what did that, you know, videotape show? All right, so we beat him, but you know what? There's an explanation for it. Oh, but it started out. You didn't even beat him. Well, now you beat him with an explanation. Well, you understand, we were really mad. Oh, really? We wouldn't have figured that out. Well, yeah, isn't it amazing what being caught on video will do? What being caught on an audio tape will do? What being caught with the evidence right before you will do as far as the honesty and the confession of the soul? You ever page an employee and say, uh, oh, where are you right now? Oh, you know, I'm right down by so-and-so. Oh, great. Well, you know what? We just got another call, and you're only a couple minutes away from that. And it's like, you know, you're in San Clemente. Great. You know what? You can pick this up. Well, I don't think I can pick that up. Well, why not? Well, see, because I'm actually in Ontario. Oh, wasn't it amazing? Because a minute ago, you're in San Clemente. Beam me up, Scotty. I mean, where are we going here? See, it's like, you know, oh, I'm busted, so I'll just confess. That's great. And that's okay, because, see, your character and my character is what God knows I am. My reputation is what you think I am. And what God deals is character. He says, Chuck, I know you. So why in the world are you trying to hide things from me? You're as silly as your children. You're as silly as employees who try to hide from their, their bosses or their parents what the truth is. See, a knowledge that God knows all things should force me in my relationship with God to be absolutely honest in how I deal with Him and with, also with one another. It should cause us to be honest in our relationship. We can blow smoke at each other forever. But you know what? God knows. He knows what's going on. I like what David said. You know, in Psalm 51, King David was a man who was guilty of committing adultery. He was guilty of killing, you know, Bathsheba's husband by sending him to the front lines. I mean, and nobody knew. It was great. It was orchestrated. Man, it was perfect. Nobody knew what was going on. She got pregnant. That's okay. Uriah died. I bring her in. She lives with me. Now everything's covered. I got all my bases covered. Except for one problem. God sends Nathan the prophet to David and says, Listen, you're the guilty one. You are the man. And he goes, eh, I'm busted. I'm guilty. In Psalm 51, he writes, Behold, God, you desire truth in the innermost parts. And in the hidden part, you will make me to know wisdom. You see what he's saying? The bottom line of all of this and what God's telling me is, Chuck, you know what? Stop deceiving yourself. Stop playing games with me. Stop playing games with other people. Stop kidding yourself because I know exactly who you are. 
I know exactly what you're thinking. I know exactly what you're contemplating on doing. I know exactly what you did. Nobody else may know, but I know. It's time you confess it. It's time you agree with me what you did is wrong. It's time you turn to me and you drop to your knees and say, Lord, I'm sorry, you already know what I did, but you've just been waiting for me to confess it. We do that as parents with our children. Hey, we already know what happens. We just want to hear them say it. Because why? Because it's good for them. It's good for us. It's good for our relationship. And it restores the intimacy that is lost when there's deception involved. We want to hear it. They need to confess it. God says, Chuck, when you sin, if, if, if you confess your sins, I'm faithful and I'm just to forgive you. And don't forget, I already know you did it. Just ask for forgiveness. In Joshua 7, there was a man whose name was Achan, and he was Achan because he got caught in cheating, and he stole some stuff, and God said, don't steal it. And he hid it in his tent. Nobody knew what was going on, and, and they went down to Ai, and they lost the battle because God didn't bless their efforts because somebody disobeyed God, and they suffered the consequences for it. And God said, I'll tell you exactly what happened. There's a guy who stole stuff, and it's hidden in his tent, and I'll tell you exactly where it is because I'm everywhere. I see everything. I know everything. I know what's going on. So Joshua went to him and said, what did you do? And he said, well, I stole some of the stuff, and here it is, hidden under the tent. God said, hey, you know what? Take him out and stone him. Because his sin, the consequences for his sin, impacted the people around him. Can I just challenge you to consider something? That our unconfessed sin and our hidden sin has an impact on the people around us that we say that we love and we care about? Can I challenge you to understand and to consider that and to believe that? To know that God knows and as a result, you may not be being blessed by God because of something you've got hidden from God. If you're a family, every person in that family should confess before God what's hidden in their life. If you're a church, every church member should constantly confess everything that's going on so that God would bless us and we can move forward. If you're a businessman and you're cheating before God, you need to confess it before God because your employees suffer because of it. Do you understand how serious this is? God's not mocked by sin. And the knowledge that God knows all things should force us to be honest with God and to confess our sins. The second thing that it should also do is help us to understand that we all have a need for acceptance. I want to be accepted. I want to be loved by people. You want to be accepted. You want to be loved by people. But you know what's wonderful about this and frees me up is to know that I don't have to be what I think you want me to be. I can just be who I am before God, and that's good enough for God, and it's going to be good enough for you, and if it's not good enough for you, it doesn't really matter to me. Talk about freeing you up. I don't have to be what you want me to be. It's insane to try. Man, I mean, you've seen it, you've felt it. My next series for this church is going to be on grace, on being gracious to one another. On helping us to understand that God has gifted this body with different people of different abilities and different gifts, and we're all different from one another. We're never going to be the same, and thank God we're not. But we need to learn to accept one another as God accepts us. We are accepted by God through Jesus Christ and Him alone. We are accepted in the beloved, the Bible tells us. I am accepted by God because I put my faith and trust in Christ, and when God looks at me, He sees Jesus die for me. And I can be freed up to understand that. This is who I am. 
And it helps me to understand because God knows all things. He knows that I'm accepted in the beloved. He knows I've put my faith and trust in Christ. He knows I'm a child of God. He knows I'm one of his kids. And if I'm one of his kids, that's all I need to know because I couldn't think of a better family to be part of. You follow that? We all want to be accepted. We all want to be loved. But you know what? The only acceptance and love that will produce any true lasting satisfaction and contentment and joy in our life is to know that we've been accepted by the God who created us. Psalm 103, 8 through 14, it says, The Lord is merciful and gracious. He's slow to anger and abounding in mercy. He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from him. As a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him. For he knows our frame, and he remembers that we are just dust. Wow. Is this the most incredible thing to know? That God knows everything about me. He even knows what you never know, the things that I think, the things that I've done that have never been exposed. He knows the things that are going on all the time. And you know what's incredible to me? And he loves me and accepts me anyway. Now, that doesn't mean we accept wrong behavior. That doesn't mean we just say, well, that's okay. God accepts me and that's okay. I can be disobedient because there's consequences for wrong actions. But what the point is is that he loves me anyway. He knows me like nobody else knows me, and he loves me anyway. Wow. That's some good stuff. I'll tell you what, if that doesn't make you feel better about yourself when you walk out of here, then I didn't do, I didn't do a very good job explaining it. But the third thing is this. If God knows everything, it should cause me to trust him. God knows everything, I should trust him, right? Think about this. He knows everything, why shouldn't I trust him? If he knows the future and the present, and he knows the past, he knows everything ahead of time, why wouldn't I trust him? The Bible says, trust the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understandings. All your ways acknowledge him. He'll set your path straight. Trust him with all your heart. And I go, why though? Because he knows everything. It's like going to someone saying, hey, what's on this test? Well, here's on the test, and here's what you should study, and this is what you should know. Well, why should I trust him? Because I already took the test, and I already know. Oh, great, okay, then I can trust you because you've already been there. Yeah, exactly. Well, God's no different. If we knew what the real estate market was going to do tomorrow, it should affect the decisions we make today. If I knew when I was going to enter into a contract with somebody that they weren't going to pay me, and I was guaranteed that, then I wouldn't enter into a contract with them. If I knew what was going to happen in the future, and I was certain of it, then it should impact the way I live today. Right? Think about what God knows. He knows everything. Why should we trust him? Just because of that. If any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives generously and above reproach. I mean, that's the bottom line is God knows everything ahead of time. Why should I pray? Because he says to. But why else should I pray? Because I can trust him. To hear my voice. Why? Because he's ever present. He's right there. I can trust him. What about when I'm going through times of suffering? You know what? I can trust him there too. The testing of my faith produces endurance. Why should I trust him? Because he's producing endurance so that I grow up in my faith and I'll become more like Christ. But why am I going through what I'm going through? Because he knows I'm going through it, and he's allowed it for his purposes and his glory. So when I'm going through hard times, you know what? The fact that I know God knows everything, it's not like it's, I'm being caught off guard. He already knows. It's like when Job went through all what he went through. It had to be funneled through the, 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 uh, the, the, the knowledge of God. God said, go ahead and do it. 
say, okay, fine. Well, why could Job trust God? Because he already knew God had ordained what he's going through and that God's hand was in it. I can trust God because he knows everything if I'm suffering. What about for direction? I don't know what to do. I mean, we all face questions on a daily basis. What should I do? What direction should I go? If you're single, should I get married? If you're, if you're you know, dating someone, should we get married? Is this the right person? You know, if you're in a job and you're thinking, should I quit this job and take another job? Should we move from this town to the next town? What direction should I go? God says, hey, trust me and I'll show you the direction. If you don't know, pray and ask for wisdom and I'll give you wisdom. And I'll give you direction. I'll give you counsel. I'll tell you which way to go. You know, life is like a maze. But God's above it all and he can say, Chuck, okay, make a right. Make a left. Good, good, good. Make another right. But I don't want to go right. Yeah, well, if you go left, I'm telling you, you're going to end up in a mess. Yeah, but I think the left's better. There's a way it seems right to man, but it's in destruction. Left seems good to me. I'm telling you, go to the right. Now, you can do what you want to do, but I'm telling you, I can see what you can't see. Go to the right. All right, fine, I'll go to the right. You know, that's why we should train up a child in the way that he should go. Which way? God's way, because God's the only way that works. You know, in Proverbs, listen to Psalms 1-6. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous. Psalm 32-8. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my eye. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he'll bring it to pass. The Lord knows the days of the upright and their inheritance shall be forever. He's saying, you know what? I know which way you should go. I love a song that I heard in the lyrics. They keep, they keep coming back to me over and over again. It says, nobody knows me like you do. Nobody knows me like you. Put your arms around me and see me through. There's many times I don't know what to do. Though some know me well, still nobody knows me like you. Wow, isn't that great stuff? That's good stuff. The last thing is this. And you know what? And this is where it all breaks down into something real simple and practical. But you know what? When I know God knows all things, and I know God knows me, and he still allows me to confess my sins before him, even though he knows that I did it, when I know that he has accepted me in Christ, and even though he knows everything about me, and he still says, but you know what? I still love you. Wow. And he says, you can trust me because I know it. I can't help but get this last one. I just, you know what? I just got to praise him for it. I just got to praise God that he knows everything, and I don't know anything. And I'm so glad that he allows me to come to him and ask him for direction, to praise God. Romans 11:36. Paul concludes by saying this, to God be the glory forever. Amen. I like that. Daniel 2, 23-23, we read this. Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his. And he changes the times and the seasons, and he removes kings and raises up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and secret things. He knows what is in the darkness, and light dwells with him. I thank you and praise you, O God of my fathers, for you have given me wisdom and might and have now made known to me what we ask of you, for you have made known to us the king's demand. If you remember, Daniel said to him, God, tell us what's going through the mind of the king. And God said, I can tell you exactly what they're thinking because I know all things. And because I know all things, I'll also tell you the direction you need to take as well. And they were forced just to say, God, thank you. And I praise you for your knowledge. I am convinced that the more we know about God, the more it should impact the way we live our lives on a daily basis. It should give us comfort that no other comfort will ever be found and no other person, place, or thing. But God's knowledge can be a threatening thing depending on what's going on. And I say confess it. 
or it can be a real reassuring thing in times of uncertainty because God knows all things. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this opportunity to be together again. We thank you for your word. We just thank you for the fact that we've learned that uh, not only do you, are you present everywhere, but that you're also aware of everything that's going on. God, help us to understand this so that we'll be more honest in our dealings, not only with you, but one another. God, we just thank you and we praise you that your knowledge is a source of, of uh, actually, we, that we can tap into it. That you tell us if we lack wisdom, we can just ask of you. And all the wisdom and the knowledge of the universe are found in you and that you will share that with us. And not do so begrudgingly, but do so willingly. Father, I know that there are those of us who are going through difficult times that don't know what direction to turn. But you tell us that your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. That we can turn to your word, that we can turn to you for counsel, that we can turn to you for wisdom, and that you'll make yourself known to us. We just thank you that we have access to the wisdom of the world. The universe is yours, and we just thank you for it. God, may we uh, feel your presence on a daily basis to the point where it affects the way that we live our lives moment by moment. The things that we think, the things that we do, and the things that we say. And we just thank you in Christ's name. Amen.